Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. This is People Every Day. Coming up, breaking down the colorism criticism of Lin-Manuel Miranda's big film, In the Heights, and his big apology. Plus, the best books to take to the beach and lose yourself in this summer. It's June 15th. Well, hello, everyone. You're listening to People Every Day, and it is me, Janine Rubenstein. It's Tuesday. And yes, before you ask, I saw the pictures of Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck making out and making it plain that Benefer 2.0 is all the way happening, okay? <laughs> they had a family dinner, her kids were there, and the PDA was on full display. So yes, things are heating up over there. Actually, everywhere, literally, we are heading into to the onset of summer next week. And in celebration of that, we're talking summer books later in the show. I chat with CEO and girl boss Ellen Bennett of the hit chef brand Headley and Bennett about her inspiring new book, Dream First, Details Later. And then also People Books editor Kim Hubbard pops by to give her top beach read recommendations. And they are some good ones. So stay tuned for all of that. But first, top stories. And we are going to break down a big one, making headlines today. Joining me now is People Movies writer Ali Russian and staff writer Elaine Aradias here to dig into the controversy surrounding Lin-Manuel Miranda's film In the Heights. Hi, guys. Hello. So it's been a few days since In the Heights was released with much fanfare. Allie, you know, last week we talked about the big premiere and just what a huge moment this is for the Latinx community, of which you are both members. But uh, something that has been bubbling up for a while and has has blown up now is an issue the film has surrounding colorism and the lack of darker skinned Afro-Latinos in the film's main roles. It's something that just last night, creator Lin-Manuel Miranda addressed head on. So, Ali, take us through what he said in his statement. Yeah. So basically, um, he he really just apologized. He apologized. He said that he's seen that Afro Latinos are really speaking up and, and all kinds of Latinos, really, which has been hardening to see um, everyone kind of speaking up for our Afro Latinos brothers and sisters and just apologizing for saying that they didn't feel represented among the leading roles. And that's that's correct. A lot of uh, both Anthony Ramos and Melissa Barrera, who are the two main, are very white passing Latinos. They're very light skinned. Um, Leslie Grace is is an Afro Latina, but she also is, is more on the light skin side. So I think it's true that um, the leading roles didn't have as many dark skin Latinos, which are a huge, huge part of our community and, and a very central part, especially of the Washington Heights community, which I know Elaine can, can speak to a little later. So he just apologized for saying that they didn't have sufficient representation in the movie. He he was trying to paint a mosaic of the community and he, he fell short is what he says. And he he's really sorry. He's he's learning for the feedback and and he's happy that it's being raised and he he really wants to 
to do better next time around and 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 just really validated these these hurt feelings that a lot of people are feeling. For sure, for sure. I'm seeing one of the quotes now. He, he says, I, I hear that without sufficient dark skin, Afro-Latino representation, the work feels extractive of the community. We wanted so much to represent with pride and joy. And so, Elaine, you, you live in Washington Heights, right? I do. It was very interesting to see my neighborhood on the screen. Yeah. Washington Heights, Broadway cuts through it. And so if you live on the west side of Broadway, that's a very gentrified area. Mm -hmm. And if you live on the east side, that's that's in the movie. And that's where I live. So I do think he did a good job of not trying to make it seem gentrified. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So I appreciated that. And I really, you know, the details of like playing dominoes and the bridge sort of always being in the background Mm -hmm. and, you know, the fire hydrants on during the summer. I mean, that's you're dodging fire hydrants (laughs) as you walk through. So it's like I very much like it, it warmed my heart. Got it. Well, let's talk the makeup of Washington Heights and what that really looks like. I have been in the New York, New Jersey area for about 10 years now, but I haven't spent a lot of time up there, if I'm honest. I mean, it's, it's pretty high up if you're down in the lower part of the city. Uh, so, Elaine, what does it look like up there? What I love about it is, yes, it is predominantly Dominican and Puerto Rican. And so that's a whole rainbow of colors. But then, you know, I live there. I'm Mexican. I'm, there's the Colombians. My super is Nicaraguan. Like, it is very much a variety of Spanish-speaking groups. And I mean, and that's the thing, you know, even Spanish itself from one group to another is completely different. And so, um, but I do feel like, you know, that area is, you know, like you said, it's a mosaic and it's beautiful and it's rich with every single, you know, Latino culture. Nice, nice. Um, so uh, it seems like the backlash gained even more steam after an interview um, that the film's director, John Chu, did with The Roots' Felice Leon, right? So she's Afro-Cuban, and she basically just asked him flat out, like, you know, where are the darker skin uh, Latin folks in this film? So let's listen to what he said. Yeah, I mean, I think that that was something uh, we talked about and um, and I needed to be educated about, of course. In the end, you know, when we were looking at the cast, we tried to get the people who were best for those roles and that specifically. And we saw a lot of people, people like Daphne or Dasha. But I hear you on, um, you know, trying to fill those cast members with darker skin. I think that's that's I think that's a a, 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 a really good conversation to have. Yeah, and, and the conversation is ongoing. There's that quote from Gina Torres, who I love from Suits, um, who is Afro-Cuban, and, and she uh, said this, like, I think a, a year ago, uh, not in relation to In the Heights, but she said, the world likes their Latinas to look like Italians and and not like me. Um, and so it's just this, this idea of painting, you know, that full picture that you're describing, right, Elaine, and, and making sure that that's representative when you do have this huge, amazing moment? Because, I mean, everyone I've talked to says the film is awesome. Well, here's the thing. So as a dark-skinned Latina, um, Mexicana, you know, 
this is something that I have personally dealt with my entire life. And, you know, the first time I saw representation was Jennifer Lopez playing Selena. So, and what was the last, you know, big Latino blockbuster, Coco? That was a cartoon, you know? So Mm -hmm. here's this moment again, and here we are, like, I mean, it is a brown cast, and I was cheering yes. for that. And yet, yeah. and especially since Latinos are the ones going to the movies the most. And so here we are, once again, finally, one of our own, and it just, it doesn't look like me. It doesn't feel like me. And I say that through, like, sort of like an academic eye, like, yeah. because as a moviegoer, you know, I did think, wow, maybe there's a young girl who's going to see this movie and she's going to be like, wow, someone looks like me, you know? And, yeah. and I think and so I appreciate that. And I think that. that is going to happen, like because, you know, it's it's, it's existing on two planes. It's important to note that um, the Latino experience is not singular. So for me, like yeah. as Elaine says, she's a very she's a darker skinned Latina. I'm a very light skinned Latina. So for me, I think I was I felt represented in the way that like the Spanish was mixed in and then the traditions. Mm-hmm, but that's mm-hmm. just my experience. There are there are people need to remember there are 33 countries in Latin America and the Caribbean. That's 33 different countries with different traditions, different dialects, different everything. That's hundreds of different traditions that you could encapsulate. So it's really hard when Latinos, as Elaine said, get one movie every how many years. And then when yeah, that movie yeah, yeah. comes, it's still not representative of all of us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I do want to I do want to say something. I do take issue with what the director said about, you know, getting the best actors, you know, that's like, oh, we're just getting the best employee. No, there are reasons why you open up the pool. And the thing is, everyone's fighting now for the same five people who all look light skinned, yet with a Spanish last name or you know what I mean? And it's like, no, there are people that are darker skinned. And I know like in you know African-American movies, you know, that's an issue that gets addressed. Yeah, yeah. it was long. Yeah, it was a long um, standing issue where, you know, you had this you finally got, you know, African-American people on screen. And if you did look darker skinned, you were cast into one type of role. Right, if you were right. lighter, you were able to be, you know, the beautiful yeah. Dorothy Dandridge and you you know, all, all of these, you were able to be that um, siren, that on-screen siren. So uh, it's something that we have pushed past and we're breaking through every, I mean, heads up to Issa Rae and all those people. Yeah, like we are, yeah, yeah. Right. you know, we are making so many strides in that regard. But as you said, like this is a new film and it has broken down barriers and still has barriers to break down. So I just want to know, like, do we feel like this is going to hamper the film in any way or, or has it? Like, how is it doing? I mean, he, this is an amazing uh, apology, just a full-throated apology that, that Lin-Manuel has put out now. Um, Um, Do you feel like this is going to have an effect on the box office? I don't think so. I mean, I think the bigger issue is that it came out on HBO Max on the same Mm. day. Okay. You know, that's what's dividing the box office. Yeah. Again, Latinos are moviegoers. 40% of the tickets sold for this movie went to Latinos. I had groups of friends that went to go see it. Yeah. So Latinos are showing up and they basically pushed this movie. What about you, Allie? What what are you thinking for the future of the film? 
Well, um, you know, some musicals are a hard sell a lot of times in theaters. So that had it had already kind of had that against it because um, it's not a very broad subject that people like to go see usually. Um, and I think what's important to remember is that this movie doesn't need to be a hit for more Latinx stories to be told. Our, our stories are deserving of being up there no matter what. So I think it's important to remember that the box office number is not the end all be all. You know, it's, it's all about, as Elaine says, Latinos are huge movie going population and they deserve to see themselves up there just like anybody else you guys i appreciate your time thank you for getting into this with me yeah of course thank you for having us this is a a really important issue to raise so it's awesome to talk through We are getting into books today, and if you're of the go-getter persuasion or just looking for career inspiration, Ellen Bennett's book, Dream First, Details Later, is right up your alley. The young CEO of the million-dollar chef-loved apron brand, Headley & Bennett, stopped by the show to discuss her unique journey to success, which didn't include going to college, by the way, and how you don't have to have it all together before you can have it all. Take a listen to our chat. Well, when I started my company, I was 24 and I totally went to the business book section as one does. And I was Mm -hmm. looking for something to inspire me. And frankly, every book was pretty black and white and I wanted something that I could connect with. So as I went through my journey and learned so many things fell on my face so many times, I thought I need to put this into an actual book. So it's just an honest tale of the journey of, of starting something out of nothing. Cool. And so let's give people a little bit more of your journey, your backstory. Uh, let's take it all the way back to Mexico City. You have a great story about this. How you had planned to go there when you were young for a few days and it turned into four years. So take us back to all of that and how you got started in, in the food world. Absolutely. So I'm very proudly half Mexican, half English. And I'd grown up going to Mexico a ton when I was little. When I turned 18, I decided to go. And while I was there, I got my Mexican citizenship. I got a million and one jobs, paid my way through culinary school, and really learned to, again, make something out of nothing. And Mm -hmm. I had so many funny jobs. Like I announced the lottery on the (laughs) Mexican television every day, (laughs) millions of people, the little lottery numbers. I was a booth babe. So when you go to a trade show and there's like a cute girl talking to you about whatever in a suit, (laughs) that was me. So I learned to sell. I was an English tutor. I mean, I did so many things that were very unusual as compared mm-hmm. to my friends who had this very straight, narrow path of, well, yeah. I did high school, then I go to college, then I start my job, and then I get promoted. And then one day I'm going to retire after I have kids. And when you don't take that path, you think that you're failing in a way, right? Yeah. yeah. This is the journey of all the people that don't just take a straight path, which honestly is more people than not. And it is a windy adventure, but it led me back to Los Angeles after four years with so much more confidence in myself. Mm. I got a job at a two Michelin star restaurant. And then with $300, I started my company, Headley and Bennett, making custom aprons. And that- $300. In Los Angeles. Yes, which is nothing. (laughs) Nothing. I had gone to a foreign country and lived there by myself and had to make ends meet. And there's a whole section in my book about like building your confidence belt in life. And every time you put yourself out there and it's a little uncomfortable, maybe very uncomfortable, you learn stuff. Yeah. And when you fail, you learn stuff. And if you get back up, 
and take all those learnings, you actually get further than just staring out at the sea of life and being like, well, I'll start this when I get money and I'll start this Mm -hmm. when I get investor. Oh my gosh. I do that. I do that all the time. It's just like, well, if I just had all of this lined up, then I would start. Right. And so (laughs) the whole, you know, the name of the book, dream first details later. So it's not about never doing the details. It's just begin. It's the action that I'm trying to get people to do because it's when you are in action that you actually learn and start to evolve. But when it's all theoretical and in your head, nothing is happening. So you got to leap out there and make it happen. And so when I first started H&B, Headley and Bennett, it was with one order. I was standing in the restaurant of the kitchen I worked at and my chef said, Hey, there's a girl, she's going to make us aprons. Do you want to buy one? And it was this opportunity kind of like sailing by in front of me. And I said, chef, I have an apron company. I will make you those aprons. And I had no such company, but I had this idea that I wanted it. (laughs) And so he gave me that opportunity. So out of the blue, I had 40 aprons that I needed to deliver and Headley and Bennett was born. Next up, a few more great books to read this summer, courtesy of People Books editor and expert Kim Hubbard. Stay tuned. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Summer is upon us, everyone. And uh, I love this time of year because I get to dig into a book finally. There's the vacations are, are happening and I am able to talk to someone today who I love, our editor at large and people's books editor, Kim Hubbard, who has in years past when we were in the office had to deal with all of us stopping by her desk and saying, oh, what can we take? What book can we take off of your desk to take on our vacation? <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> right, Kim? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we're not in the office now, but I'm still asking you, I'm still bugging you to tell me, okay, what books should I be reading for this summer? And that's what we're going to talk about. Just so a couple of books. To- I have to mail them to you, Janina. Now you have to just mail them to me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So let's get into a couple of your recommendations for summer reading, those books that you can just kick back with. Uh, Let's start with the first one. You're recommending Golden Girl by Ellen Hildebrand. So tell me about this book. Um, Well, Ellen Hildebrand, if you don't know, is um, just a beach book writing machine. She writes a book every summer um, set in Nantucket where she lives You'd think they would like that she'd lose steam or run out of ideas, but they just, they are (laughs) just really good. And this, this one is, is no exception. Um, This time she essentially kills herself off. The heroine of this novel on Nantucket is a woman in her fifties, Vivi Howe, who has written 13 novels set on Nantucket and has three grown children, just like Ellen Hildebrand. Okay. And is killed in a hit and run accident on a gorgeous June morning on Nantucket. Uh, she dies instantly, but she gets this special dispensation, which is that for a while from the great beyond, she can watch what's going on down on earth. 
she's allowed like a fairy godmother gives her three nudges that she can save up and like use to to make sure her kids are, you know, her grown kids are doing all right. And wait, that's, it's such a thought to be able to have like, what is this limbo or purgatory where you can still. Exactly. But it's an Ellen Hildebrand novel. So like, she doesn't call it anything. She just describes like the, the beautiful furniture and the, the, you know, like what the couch (laughs) is like. It's like, she's like, this would be my dream room to live in even on earth. Oh, wow. And so she has kids who are having issues. And she says, there's a line in the book where she says, raising young adults is at least as hard as raising young kids. And no one ever talks about that. And I was like, that is actually very true. So that's something you have to look forward to, Janine. Wow. Is is there, and and this aligns with her in real life as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because if you follow her on Instagram, you're like, oh, yeah, there's her three adult kids. So she's worried about them. She's worried about um, who actually killed her. Was it her son's best friend who was, you know, found her on the scene? Oh, and then there's Um, drama. And there's tons of drama, yes. And then she also has a new book coming out and she's worried because it it reveals a secret about her past and she doesn't know what that's going to do to her reputation. So there's just a lot going on. Nice, nice. Okay, what about the your second recommendation, Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid? Okay, so this is another just like classic quintessential summer book. And like a lot of times with summer books, I find I sort of lose patience with them because the, the characters aren't very fleshed out. You know, they just like it's the blonde and the brunette or whatever. And it doesn't seem very psychologically complex, but this is just perfect. It, it is mm. the story of, of a family of four surfing kids in Malibu. Um, okay. grown kids and their their father abandoned them he's he was like a frank sinatra style famous crooner this is set in 1983 who abandoned them when they were kids mm. and it's all centered around one party that happens every year at the daughter nina who's a supermodel and a surfer at her house and it's like the big hollywood party of the season and you know at the beginning of the book that something is going to go down at that party that ends up with a house going up in flames and you don't know what it is and Uh-oh. everybody's sort of converging from their different angles, like the, you know, the troubled um, son who's who's sleeping with someone he shouldn't be sleeping with and the young daughter who has a big secret and will their father show up? Ooh, so it kinda, there's a little bit of like the, the little fires everywhere. Kind this. of. Yeah. Yes. Like how, how do we get there? Yes, um, I, exactly. I, I, I completely, you know, identify. I'm a supermodel surfer who has daddy issues myself. So. I knew it would be the best for you, Janine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who isn't one of those? <laughs> I love it. I love it. And have you ever surfed, Kim? Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> have you? You're a California girl. I am, but no, sadly, I have not. I, I'm, I'm not that good of a swimmer. I guess I'm yeah. revealing that now. <laughs> Well, which there's means I'll be reading on, on vacation. I'll be reading on vacation. And well, you know, this is good because there's plenty of beach to read about and you don't have to actually go in the water. Just read about it. Let's let's sneak in. Let's sneak in one extra one. If we have the time, uh, the other black girl by Zakia Delilah Harris. I think I'm saying that right, right. I don't know what the pronunciation is either. Yeah, this is a debut novel and I'm still in the middle of this one. So there's a lot I don't know yet, but it's very it, it also grabs you from the beginning. It's about okay. It's about an editorial assistant who is the only black 
girl woman on the on the floor and then another one gets hired and she realizes this she like smells one day she smells the same kind of butter that she uses in her hair and she's like could that be another black girl here on the floor with me and it is and they better be, i'm sure it was butter. it's like something else is called i think it was like a made-up something butter oh, okay anyway okay <laughs> anyway um <laughs> But so she thinks this is like going to be her, you know, her salvation. But then this, mm. and they become really close. But then this, this um, other employee sort of like leaps ahead of her and may mm. have kind of, you know, sabotaged her. And so it becomes more complicated than she at first thought. That was People, Editor-at-Large, and Books Editor, Kim Hubbard. For more on her book tips, head over to People.com and check out her weekly list in the issue. And now, something to make you smile. We all know how difficult it can be to nail down everyone for a family dinner, but a little girl in Burlington, New Jersey, had the perfect solution. Six-year-old Christiana Dewsbury transformed her family's dining room into a restaurant for a classic sit-down dinner. She had the table decked with a lovely red tablecloth, gold plates, and fancy china. (laughs) And here's what was on the menu. Spaghetti and meatballs. We have chicken and rice. We have salad. Her dad, Renwick Dewsbury, posted the one-of-a-kind experience to his Facebook page and said, tonight, my daughter launched her restaurant. It's called Christiana's. (laughs) She even made sure her family dressed the part, too. Only special clothes were allowed for this occasion. You know what? My son, Reese, is six now. Where's where's my fancy dinner? He needs to get on it, right? (laughs) Catch you guys tomorrow. 